So church family, would you pray with me? Let's ask God to bless the preaching of the word. Heavenly Father, in your almighty power, we just call upon you to speak specifically to the hearts of your people. Refresh and revive us. Lord, accomplish the purpose for which you send your word. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I want you to fill in the blank. I feel renewed when I... As you're thinking about that, my mind went to this old TV show called Let's Make a Deal. Here's a picture of the 70s version of that show. I think right now Wayne Brady is on it. And it's interesting because you can have a prize, but you could also pick behind what's door number one or door number two or door number three. When I was thinking of different ways of renewal, I thought that for some people there is like a door number one. And my mind was racing for our church family, all the people who love something to do with water. And so some of you are pool people and lake people and ocean people. In fact, if you're a water person, that's how I renew. I just need to raise of hands. Yeah, I thought so. Quite a few. And then there are other people, I think a slimmer majority here, uh, who renew through adventure. Behind door number two is a new place to visit. It's a new restaurant. It's a new experience, a new shopping mall. I was wondering if you're an adventure renewal. Uh, can you raise your hands? Yep, a few less there. Um, and then number three. Uh, three is re resting, um, that you renew because there's nothing on the schedule, that, that no plans are good plans, and you have time to nap and to binge that Netflix series and to play video games. Who would say, I renew that way? Okay. Oh, wow, that might, that might have it, number three. But the reason I bring up Let's Make a Deal is because have you ever traded in that time for what was behind door number one, two, or three and found out it was less than? That, that's what can happen in Let's, let's Make a Deal. You, you can get something less than. For example, you can go to a lake and you're paddle boarding and someone's not honoring the no wake zone. And so instead of getting across the lake, you're just falling over and over and you're like stuck in the middle. Door number two, you can go to that new shopping mall and find nothing, and nothing looked good, and you're just frustrated. And behind door number three, now I love a nap, but in my old age, naps hit different. You can wake up more tired, and then, because I'm old, you don't sleep at night. So I'm like, why did I even sleep during the day? If I'm not going to sleep during night, I'm, I'm going to stay up. It doesn't always work. And so what I recognize is that our potential to be renewed doesn't always happen. And, and the choices out there can, can sometimes leave us wanting. And, and, and something I also recognize is that probably none of you said this phrase, that I feel renewed when it's September. That probably didn't come to mind for anyone. Because this is the season of life. That whatever the pace of life was in the summertime, let's call it moderate, it just became extreme. School has started. Extracurriculars have started. Summer is over. That pool time is gone. We're closing the pools. The beaches are over. And it's like, oh my goodness, it's crazy. And because we knew that, we wanted to plan this series so that every Sunday could be your spa day. That every Sunday you come here, you would just have a chance to camp out and be refreshed by the Word of God. Because something I... I truly believe in is our real fill-in for how we renew. That we renew when we find God. Would anyone else say amen to that? 
And by the way, welcome if you're new to Amazing Love or you're watching online. That's what we hope you find. That this organization we call the church has something good about it, and it's not any person. It's our Savior, Jesus Christ, who knows how to give us exactly what we need when we need it. You know, I was considering that in our Bible study. We'll talk about groups today. And in the Bible study, Solomon was like, you know what? I had all the options behind door number one, two, and three. I I had it all. But he said, when I had it all but didn't have God, it was meaningless. It didn't scratch the itch. It didn't do a thing. It was a waste of time. But Ecclesiastes also tells us that when God is in it, when God is behind the waters and we just see the waters as his creation, when God is behind that new adventure, that new thing, he's the giver of every good gift, when God is behind that rest because he gives rest to those he loves, it is then that we find renewal. And the psalmist David says this is exactly what God is up to. One of the verses we'll consider, uh, verse 2, says this, that he is able to refresh or, some remember, restore my soul. And that's what we need. We need it today. We need it every day that God would continue to be faithful in his renewal process. And so today we're going to camp out in one of my favorite psalms, Psalm 23. Would anyone else say this is their favorite psalm? It's amazing. In fact, on down days, this is the psalm that I repeat in my head over and over again until I feel better. And if you know the psalm, you know that God is called as a shepherd and we are the sheep. And, and by the way, that, that never is really comforting for our self-identification. Sheep is not really a good reference. I was considering that when I thought of this sheep in Australia. Um, his name is Barak. Have you, have you heard of this guy? Barak. He was found in Australia and he had 75 pounds of extra wool. In fact, if he wasn't found, it said that his wool would have killed him. And so he needed a shepherd. He needed someone to shear that off so he could breathe again, so he could be clean again. God is reminding us, do you know your Barak? Left to our own devices, left on our own, we have things that we hurt ourselves. (laughs) We need a shepherd. But if we find our Lord, we have the help that we need. We have goodness. So let's get into Psalm 23. Um, We don't always do this, but why don't we rise just as we hear God's word, just shake it up a little bit. Uh, Some very familiar words, uh, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Beautiful verses. Before you sit down, can you say out louder to your neighbor, The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. All right, grab a seat. 
So speaking of famous Bible passages, I don't know how many of you love this passage from Philippians. It's the one there where Paul says, I can do all things or all this through him who gives me strength. And maybe there are some who have used this for a test. You, you had to, to graduate from school. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Maybe some of you used it for a marathon or a triathlon. As college football starts up, I considered Tim Tebow and famously put that on his eye black all of 2008 season. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Football players use it. I was thinking of this MMA player, um, Joe Jones. By the way, do you play MMA? I don't think so. <laughs> anyway, but Philippians 4.13, I, I can do a cage match because of uh, the Lord's strength. And all of that is appropriate. I'm not saying you can't use it for tests and geometry and football. But I really love exploring the context of certain verses. And I want to explore the context of Philippians 4 with you, just to put it in our minds. Now, now some of you know that the letter to the Philippians was written from jail. And so when we think of Paul's situation, he is not living in plenty right now. This is a, a famine type of period. He doesn't have everything he might want. But leading up to I can do all things, is Paul saying, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. For Paul, in the strength of God, it was about the ability to be content. And he goes on, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Now, now, that was important for me to understand because today in our lesson, our good shepherd, and because of him, uh, David says that I shall not want... The first verse of Psalm 23, uh, maybe you remember the old King James, I shall not want. And what does that mean? Does it mean that you'll never have financial pressures? Does it mean you'll, you'll never have wants? I think we learn from Paul that no, there are real pressures. And there are things we desire that may not come to be, and yet, and yet, God is faithful, isn't he? In fact, part of our meditation today, I just want to dwell on his faithfulness. So just think about your life. Has there been a, a big season where you didn't have food? Like days on end where you had nothing to eat or nowhere to sleep or nothing to wear? In fact, to reframe it, did anyone have some good food this week? Maybe even had someone else prepare it for you, went to a restaurant. That's fun. Or maybe when it comes to the caliber of your bed, some of you have memory foam. And some of you have a sleep number. You even know your sleep number. And maybe some of you, when it comes to clothing, you have so much that you don't know what to wear. You have so much that some of the items in your closet still have a price tag on them. Has God been faithful? Can we say, if God is my shepherd, I shall not want? I think we can, can't we? In fact, uh, my daughter Bella was in this musical called Annie, and so this concept kind of reminded me of that. When Annie was an orphan, it was a hard knock life, but when she was in Daddy Warbuck's uh, care, she not only had a dress, she, she was set for life, wasn't she? 
So I need to remind you, you have one better than Daddy Warbucks. You have a Heavenly Father who feeds birds and clothes flowers, and he says, you know what? I know how to provide. I know how to be faithful. So that leads us to our first fill-in. I know that I am renewed because when I have God, I have what I need, and you will have what you need. In this season, in every season, I know God is going to be faithful to you. But there's more we can learn from this psalm and to talk about that. Have you ever experienced a child with a changing taste palate? Or maybe you were that child where you grew up and all you could eat was buttered noodles and hot dogs. Did you know a child like that? Buttered noodles, right? And then eventually, thankfully, they grow. Eventually, they're ready for like broccoli and steak and potatoes, right? Why do I have that picture? You, you put it up. Because I still remember my first slice of pumpkin pie, okay? When I was a fourth grader at this house that we were visiting, and I forget where I was, I was at a guest house trying to be on my best behavior, the only thing they had for dessert was pumpkin pie. And as a fourth grader, my first taste of pumpkin pie, I'm like, what trick is this? This is not dessert. You're hiding vegetables. But then... My palate changed. And yes, this is still the proper way to eat pumpkin pie, but I love it. I love pumpkin pie. In fact, some of you with fallback pumpkin spice, yes, bring pumpkin spice back. My palate is open to pumpkin spice. Why do I bring this up? You know, just how your physical palate changes, isn't it true that God can change your spiritual palate? That when it comes to the things you used to like, that changed. And things you thought used to be good are no longer good. And things that you used to think were gross are now, long, are now like, wow, I like that. And the psalmist says, when you have a good shepherd, this is what he does. He guides us into paths of righteousness. And what happens is that like, maybe at one time in your life, you looked at the commands of God, and you're like, when it comes to that in sexuality... That's gross. I don't want that. God, that's closed-minded. What are you talking about? But then the Holy Spirit works in you. And you look at those same commands and you're like, oh God, you're good. You knew all along, didn't you? Maybe at one time when it came to how you lived your life, you said, you know what? I'm just going to do me. People are going to have to deal with it. That's how it was made, so I'm going to do me. And the Spirit works in you and you come to a different level like, I don't want to do me anymore. Me without God ain't any good. And you started loving the ways and the will of God. This is what he does. When we have a good shepherd, we start looking at his commands, not as burdens, but as opportunities to give him glory. You know, this was one of the purposes of redemption. In the book of Titus, this is what it says about redemption, that he gave himself for us to redeem us from wickedness, to purify for himself a people that are his very own, who are eager to do what is good. I love that by the Spirit of God, we can be like a boyfriend who is eager just to impress a girlfriend, like a little child eager to do what mom or dad says so they can go to Dairy Queen or get an allowance. That is us on the other side of the cross. God, whatever you say, I'm just eager. I want to hop to it. And so we are renewed because God guides us. That's our second. 
God guides us by his direction. He changes our palate and our proclivities. But the struggle of our sinful nature is so deep that we might have learned what is good. We might have learned what God wants, but we still struggle doing it. We wake up each day and say, yes, I want to do those great things. I want to be what you want me to be. And yet we still land in our old ways. The struggle of this psalm is that we're going to hear God pursues us, but how often do we pursue him? How often don't we pursue behind what's door number one or two or three and don't have God in mind? So God calls us to repentance today for knowing the good and not wanting to do it, for knowing the goodness of God and not running after him. And then look at what he does. Verse 6 is one of the greatest verses of the Bible, I'm convinced. Because his goodness and his love follows us all the days of our life. Follows us. Now, first of all, when it comes to that word love, it's the Hebrew word hesed. And it's translated faithful love. That in every generation he has been faithful to keep his promises, to send provision, to give us what we need. But then it says he follows us or he is pursuing us. That as much as you try to run away from him, he's going to run after you still with goodness. And this is Jesus Christ, friends. Jesus Christ came into this world pursuing us. He pursued the household of Mary and Joseph. He pursued public ministry for three years to hand off this message to twelve. He pursued the cross as Jesus set out resolutely for Jerusalem. But in that pursuit, what he was really pursuing was you. So that you could know forgiveness and love. So that you could know his mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Hallelujah for the Lord. But something that I learned this past week about Psalm 23, because I'm never done learning. Would you say that about God's word? Never done learning. Something I learned and really dug in on was that ending of this verse. So at the end of verse 6, it says this, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, I've used this uh, for many funerals. And so at this point, I always had my mind on, on heaven, right? And, and dwelling there forever with God, how appropriate, you know, that thought is for a funeral. But as I was doing research, I found a different translation of this end, and I was looking at the Hebrew. The Hebrew really says length of days. And so I, I prefer this translation, actually. I think it's more specific to what's going on. I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. So what is David actually talking about? Is he talking about dwelling in heaven forever? No. Let me tell you the context. Many think that Psalm 23 was written as he was escaping from his palace in Jerusalem because of Absalom. Absalom, his son, had thrown a coup, wanted to take over the kingdom. And as he is away from Jerusalem and away from the tabernacle, what longing is in David's heart is to get back to that place so that he could just dwell in worship, so that he could be in the tabernacle. It's kind of like, when I get back, I'm never leaving you, Lord. I'm never leaving that place. I'm going to praise and worship you as long as I live. That's our opportunity. See, unlike David, we don't have to be away from the temple of the Lord. 
No, for the rest of our days, we can say, I want to worship you. I want to dwell with you. And what would dwelling with the Lord look like? Well, part of it is coming back. We have great psalms every week of this series. But another part is what we're talking about today, which is joining a small group. So our next step today is this, that you would find renewal for your soul by signing up for a small group. And see, the house of the Lord isn't just in this place. It's wherever two or three gather in his name. God says, I show up in a very special, very powerful way. And so we really want you to consider one of those groups. There are men's groups, women's groups, prayer groups, Bible class, home groups, starting point, seminars. Um, Friends, we are bringing the most groups we've ever brought at one time to Amazing Love. Do you know, if you want to in this season, you can not only dwell, you can like basically live in the Lord because there's so much going on. You could be in five groups all at a time. What we're asking, would you consider one? Would you consider at least one dwelling in the Lord and soaking up his goodness with other people? What a great opportunity. You know, we met for our small group this past week. By the way, there are still openings. Just speak to me. We'll let you in. No password needed. And um, as we were talking about um, the opening question, uh, we were talking about camping. That was the icebreaker. And it was interesting that um, there was a common theme among our, our camping experiences, and that was terrifying things outside the tent or terrifying things happening to the tent, Right? Whether it be animals or we don't know what or sprinklers, there were things going on with the tent that didn't make us very secure. And it's interesting that when it comes to the Bible, God refers to our life on earth as camping. That we are just in a tent. And because of that, I think our experience in this world kind of mirrors what that camping experience is. There are things that frighten us. There are things outside that we're like, ah, And so I want to ask you a deeper question today. I want to ask you in this season, is there anything you're afraid of? Something outside your tent? It's interesting when it came to Psalm 23 that David is in a lose-lose scenario. If he wins the battle, his son Absalom might lose his life and definitely is estranged from David. If David loses to Absalom, he might lose his life and his kingdom. And so he knows what it's like to be in the darkest valley. He knows what it's like to be in the valley of the shadow of death. The threat is real. And yet, though he is there, what does he say? I will fear no evil, because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, this idea also reminds me of a prophet named Elisha. Elisha at one time was helping the army of Israel against the king of Aram. And the king of Aram was always surprised that the Israelites knew what to do. They knew what ambush was coming. They knew where not to go and what to do. And the king of Aram got frustrated. Like, why do they know? And they all told him, it's the prophet Elisha. So the king of Aram had this idea, okay, I won't attack all of Israel. I'll just attack one Israelite. I'll attack Elisha in Dothan. And so he sets out his army and he surrounds Dothan. And and this is what's recorded in 2 Kings chapter 6. It says, When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early in the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my lord, what shall we do? 
But Elisha was cool as a cucumber. Because Elisha saw something that the servant of God soon would see. It goes on, it says, The Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And that day, Elisha did not fall. Because though he was surrounded, the army of God was surrounding him still. And so now I want to ask you again, what are you afraid of in this season? There are real threats and real obstacles in our life. But I need to remind you that no matter what that is, you are not alone. Maybe there is a young family with a newborn and you're up at 2 a.m. And you need to know that in that nursery, Jesus is right by your side. You're not alone. Maybe there are those starting a new job and as you get up early in the morning, get on that highway, you have a passenger, Jesus, who is right there with you. Maybe there are those who are walking the halls of a new school and they're wondering, will anyone get along with me? Will anyone be my friend? Will you have a friend? It is Jesus who will never leave you and never forsake you. See, our God says, I didn't leave David, I didn't leave Elisha, and I'm not leaving you. And David says, when when the Lord is there, I'm not going to fear because he's got a rod and a staff. He says, when the Lord shows up, he shows up with power. And that means whatever is threatening you, whatever you think is too big for you, it is not too big for God. God displayed his power on the cross as he beat back death and the devil. God displayed his power through the empty tomb and we live in victory. And so today, know that when God is with you, God has power. Maybe that threat is guilt or shame, and I hear it to remind you that the cross of Jesus speaks peace. You have the right to be called a child of God. You are forgiven and on firm footing. Maybe there are some where the threat is health, health for yourself or health for someone you love. With God's power, he can speak a word and heal. He's done it before, he can do it again. But even if he doesn't, he can give you power to stand, to be patient as long as that trial lasts because his plan for us is not to live here forever, but to live by his side. Maybe there are some struggling with depression or anxiety. The word of God is a stronghold. With God's word, there is power and truth that sets us free. We have a God who is the the way, the truth, and the life, and he is with you. And so we can be renewed because God will continue to comfort us. He is there with a rod and a staff. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I just wish that this psalm would be the foundation of our souls. Because I think if it is the foundation of our souls, we will be renewed again and again. Lord, I'm so thankful that before we could ever pursue you, you have pursued us and you made a plan. You wanted us to be yours now and forever. And Lord, thank you for winning us. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness, that you will continue to provide all that we need. We're thankful that you have changed our habits and you've made us hungry for righteousness. Help us to be eager for what is good. 
But now, Lord, remind us that you are with us, that you will never leave and never forsake us. Continue to replace doubt and fear with confidence and peace. In Jesus' name, amen. May God bless you this week, friends. With that, we have a chance just to encourage one another now. And the way that we encourage one another is simply through a confession of faith. Uh, Today, we'll use the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from light, light from light, true God from true God begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became fully human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.